Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today's guest is Susan Walter. After having near-death experiences as a child, Susan was given the ability to see into the angelic realms, allowing her to see the angels in pure light form. She uses the ability to draw your angel's portrait and relay messages and sights from your angels. Susan, thank you so much for joining me and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I've been watching some of your shows and they are, yeah, I've been enjoying hearing other people's stories. And I want to say welcome to Tatiana the cat as well. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how long she'll stick with us. <laughs> All right. As you may know, my audience loves to hear about near-death experiences. So if you don't mind, can we start with some of yours? Um, sure. Um, I'm, I had did actually have two experiences, one at the age of four um, and then a second one at the age of six. Um, the things I remember the most um, was just going into this absolutely um, beautiful garden where there was just these you know, massive trees where, you know, growing up on a farm in Iowa, I'd never even heard or seen the redwoods, but that's, you know, similar to, you know, what size these trees were. And there was just, you know, kind of wildflowers and just kind of little animals everywhere. Um, and there was um, three beings um, underneath one of these trees just seemed to be, you know, waiting for me. They were kind of like front and center. Um they introduced themselves as being um, three of my eight personal angels. And, you know, the first one at the age of four, um, I really didn't, you know, I really did. Yeah. I probably was very naive about this, you know, what was taking place. Um, and I think mostly they just wanted to seem to kind of occupy my mind and my time as my body was going through a life-saving surgery. Um, and then, but, and one of the things I did as a kid on the farm, if there was a nest of baby rabbits or snakes or birds or mice or whatever, I found them. Hmm. So the, um, my angel asked me if I wanted to see the world through their eyes, through the eyes of the animals. So it was just kind of like I went from animal to animal to animal. Um, and it's like, you know, with each, each, each movement, um, I went to like a larger animal, it seemed like, though I didn't always fully understand, you know, where I was at um, until I ended up in what I believe was um, a blue whale. It seemed like a very large, you know, very massive animal where I was swimming 
And it's like, then, you know, then all of a sudden I wasn't swimming in the ocean. I was swimming in space. Hmm. And, and, you know, I was then shown and, you know, kind of that moment where not only myself, but a number of other souls seem to um, be, you know, created or separated from, you know, the God source. And, and I was, you know, it was like my intention was to go straight to the angelic realm. That's where I was going. And me and two other beings, two other souls were pulled aside and asked to become, and the term I very specifically remember, they use the term planet creator. Hmm. I'm not really 100% sure yet what that means, but um, they showed kind of showed us both, all three of us, what the world would be like if we did. And what would be it would be like if we did not? The other two beings actually did continue on to the angelic realm. I obviously didn't. Um, this my second experience was actually was very very similar. Um, in a lot of ways, it just the only thing I remember first before um, I was allowed to see the world the the animal size. I asked a bunch of questions about what I was being taught in Sunday school. And I, I just kind of felt like I got patted on top of the head, like, you know, kind of saying it's okay. <laughs> and yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I know over the years I've continued to remember a few more details here and there, and I'm sure I will continue to remember more details as the years go on, but that's, yeah, that's pretty much what my experience was like. What age were you when you had the second one? I'm six. At six. Um, uh huh. So still very naive, um, you know, very young. And at the time, even all, you know, you know everybody, you know, talks about how you know, they're greeted by different people that they knew. Um, you know, not only were all of my grandparents still alive, but so were m most of my great-grandparents. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, and that's person why I've kind of thought they, you know, that I wasn't greeted by someone else. Yeah, and it could be just because, you know, it was known from the beginning that I wouldn't be crossing over. There wasn't a point where I was making a decision. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, my it, the body was going through a life saving surgery, but it really wasn't, you know, that big of a, you know, it was a minor repair. Do you mind sharing the reasons that you, you know, both surgeries or and the second one, why you actually had the NDE? Um, both of them actually were from ruptured hernias. Mm, okay. Um, and it, what, what's the most unique, really, about the second one? Um, apparently, my um, fallopian tubes um, were somewhat damaged, and my parents were told at the time that it would be extremely unlikely I'd ever have children. Mm. Nobody bothered to tell me mm -hmm. until about two weeks before I was um, to be married oh, at wow. the age of 20. Um, and so, and I always believed I'd be a mom, and I, you know, and at that point, you know, it's just like, I didn't really quite believe and believe it. We even when, it, when they told me that. Um, so I do presently have four children. Hmm. I have three boys and a girl, and I now even have four grandchildren as well. Oh, that's fantastic. 
uh, yeah, the power of the mind. Mm-hmm. Did these beings ever identify themselves as your angels? Did they say, you know, Susan, um, we are your angels? They identified themselves as being angelic. Mm. Um, but they did not give me specific names. Do you recall what they look like? I actually, at one point years ago, um, I did draw a picture of all three of them, but you know, just in moves and different things, um, that particular drawing did get destroyed. Oh, that's bummer. And I never, I've never redrawn it. Do the memories of these experiences, are they still pretty clear or have they faded over the years like a dream? Yeah, there was parts of it that were always very vivid, particularly the garden and the trees was, and, you know, and the three beings, the three angels was always stayed very, very vivid for me. And that's why I think I was probably always able to see them all the time afterwards that, you know, that never stopped. Um. But I, yeah, it wasn't just, you know, it's like once I woke up, I saw more than the three, though. Did you tell your parents about these experiences? And if so, how did they react? Um, I tried to. Um, but you also got to understand, you know, it's, you know, vocabulary of a child. And, you know, I am growing up and, you know, we're talking the mid-60s in rural Iowa in a farming community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really, I think what I tried to convey the most probably was the stories about, you know, when I was a snake, when I was a rabbit. And, you know, that just didn't make sense Mm -hmm. to them. So Mm -hmm. after a while, it was, um, I was told to quit telling those stories. So I just quit talking about it. Didn't quit seeing anything or doing, you know, connecting with that. I just quit talking about it. Wow. And didn't talk about it again for many, many years. Do you think that those experiences changed you as a child or maybe it changed you later in life or both? I think both, both definitely. Um, you know, being able to um, see them and know that I, you know, not only wasn't alone, but that I, it's like somebody had my back. Um, and that, you know, so, and sometimes I did, you know, was given insights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, into different situations. Um, And I found that very, very helpful at times. So it did change me. um, But it really wasn't until, oh, I think it was really after another surgery that I had in my mid-30s that, you know, was when I really started working more. Um, And then it was a few years after that that I start, you know, started doing the angel portraits. Yeah, that started in January of 1997. Did you grow up in a religious household? And if so, did that change you religiously? Um, Yes, I did grow up in a religious household. You know, if you, the only reason you missed church on Sunday is if you were very, very sick. Mm. Um, And I grew up in a Lutheran, Missouri Synod Hall. So I always kind of, didn't really fit into the house really well. I always kind of felt out of place as far as that went. And I didn't always agree. And I had a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And I remember more than once being asked to leave Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very adamant about wanting to know how long God's day was. Because God's bigger than us. So it made sense to me as a kid that his day must be longer than ours. 
So I believe you said that you continued to see these angels after the experiences. Mm-hmm. But I only saw my own until January of 97. Okay, so um, you were seeing your own personal ones, and then in 1997, you started seeing other people's? Right, exactly. Um, and the exact date was um, January 27th. And I don't know if this has anything to do with it or not, but I know on that date, um, I don't know if you remember, that was when Halebach was moving through our solar system, and a lot of us could, act- could actually see it with, you know, with just binoculars there at times. That was 97, um, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. And there was a few a few days where um, Halebach actually was behind the sun. And there was um, one day in particular, which is January of 20, 27th, um, scientists talked about very briefly, and I never heard anything about it again, that Hellbop actually released some sort of magnetic pulse and that was sent up through the sun and it was sent directly to earth. If this had anything to do with it, I don't know, but I do know it was the same day. I was getting that confused with, I think, Haley's comment. There was a comment that was out there around 95-ish, 96-ish. Do you remember that um, one? You um, could see it in the night sky. Haley's comment, I think. I thought that was even earlier than that. I'd have to research that. I don't recall the exact dates of that one. Right. I can't remember either. So what happened? Did you just see somebody and then see their angels standing next to them? Or or can you tell us that? Um, yeah, it's like when I really realized I was seeing other people's angels was actually when I went to the grocery store. And I realized I wasn't seeing just my few. I was... Yeah, I know it's there just seemed to be you know a lot more angels around and I could tell they they seemed to be following different people. Different ones were. And at the time it kind of freaked me out enough that I actually kind of left the grocery cart right in the middle of the aisle and went home. <laughs> yeah. I would. I mean that I, I like that you said that because I would I would think that would be a normal reaction. You would just kinda of like be freaking out. You know. Yeah, I, w- I was overwhelmed, um, and yeah, and I went home, and uh, yeah, at the time, um, I had two teenage sons and two toddlers, so I was a little busy, and you know, getting able, being able to meditate was kind of a luxury. Um, so it, pro- it was probably a couple of days before I was actually able to sit down and go, you know, what the heck's going on here? Why? What do you want me to do with this? All that those, you know, questions that a lot of us would have in that situation. Um, And I got very clearly that that was the intention was for me to find a way to either paint or draw, um, you know, to draw them for people to help them connect and realize that there is more than, you know, just these 3D sleeves that we wear. And, you know, and to connect with that in in a more, When you see the angels, do you see them like representations like us, like really human looking, or do you just see them like beings of light? I see that it's kind of like that ray of sunshine coming down between the clouds. Okay. Um, And they do have, you know, the shape where they have the head, shoulders, um, arms are almost always outstretched as if they're ready to... um, embrace or share energy in whatever way we need it. 
I usually don't see like the legs to be divided. It's almost like they're just, you know, wearing this sheath over, over their entire, entire body. And then I see what's, what we would think of as wings, though beings made of light don't need wings. Right. But, um, and that's what's the most unique about them. And that's what's kind of like fingerprints. You know, I've seen, I have seen similarities with, you know, all the angel portraits I've drawn over the 20 plus years at this point. But there all seems, there seems to be something unique about every single one of them. Do you see them all the time and it's like you've got to turn it off or you still see them all the time and you just ignore it? I've kind of learned to do what I think of turning down the volume where I see them like clouds of color that's just constantly moving. And those can be of various sizes. It can be, you know, as small as a softball to, you know, like a great big beach ball. It's like each one seems to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And then when I had the intention or I'm setting with someone um, to draw their ink, then just one will step forward and take shape and define color. And that's how I know which one I'm supposed to draw for that person. Everybody has at least three. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's going to be my next question is how many do people have? It's like, and the more you have, the more work you have to do is like, is one way to look at it. Yeah. And that, and that usually has to do with how much karma you have. It has, you know, how much um, of a commitment you have made in between lives of helping others. Um, We do get an extra one just because we um, become a parent. Why do you think we have angels? Why do we need them? Why are they with us? I think they learn as much from us as we learn from them. And I think they're curious. Um, And, you know, as a general rule, angels have not taken physical form before. So they don't fully understand what it's like to take these 3D sleeves and, you know, deal with, you know, having to cook three meals a day to sustain the body and drink water. And, you know, God forbid, what the heck is money about? Mm-hmm. They really don't understand that one very well. Yeah. I had a guest on before, uh, a Catholic priest, and we were talking about guardian angels. And what I think he said is if you have like an evolutionary scale, you see like different things on evolution and then usually man's at the top. And I think he said that the next level up was angel. And he also said that they didn't take bodies, but he put them at, at, a, at a level above us. Are you thinking it's, are you think that they're evolutionary above us? I think they just live and you know, function in a frequency that is faster than ours. Mm-hmm. I mean, 3D, you know, even to us, sometimes it feels like we're trying to move through wet cement. And it just, you know, and they live in a frequency that's faster and just easier to move through. So do you actually communicate with them? Like, do they send you messages or do they talk to you? Yeah, just like people, some talk more than others. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want your angels to talk to you, one of the best things for you to do is talk to them. Mm. Um, If you want their assistance, you should be asking for their assistance. Yeah, they need, oftentimes need permission. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because otherwise they might be going against free will. Right. It's funny because that priest said that your thoughts are yours private, but anything said out in public is open game, basically. <laughs> Our words are much more powerful than we realize. Um, 
Yeah, the two most powerful words in the English language are I am. So be careful about how you, you know, use those words. Hmm. So how did you go from seeing angels to painting them? And um, that was, you know, the, once I started seeing, you know, everybody's and I, to be honest, I argued for about six months. Cause it's like, why me? Yeah. I'm too busy. You know, between having the, you know, with the four kids and I, you know, and I was married at the time. Uh, and it's just, and one other minor detail, I really didn't know how to paint or draw at that time. Hmm. So, yeah. So then I had to go through a process of like, okay, even what medium am I going to use to do this? Yeah. And at first I tried to play with uh, watercolor because I think that was kind of the closest to how I see them. But yeah, I don't know if you know anything about watercolor, but it is the most difficult medium to master. Hmm. Um, and also have, you know, having young kids, you know, two of them being toddlers. Yeah. It was very, you know, it was often that I would get interrupted and have to walk away at a moment's notice. Yeah. To yeah. go change you know, do change a diaper or whatever. Right. Um, so then I, I switched to pastels, um, but they still just, I wasn't getting the detail I wanted. Um, so that, it, you know, it's, it took me a couple of years of thing. I eventually moved to color pencil, which is what I still use today. Yeah. Some artists are very familiar with a particular brand called Prismacolor. And that's mm. what, what I pretty much stick with. Along the way, did you start taking art lessons or you just kept working at it on your own? I just kept working at it on my own. I've still never taken a lesson to this day. Oh, that's great. You don't happen to have one next to you that you, we could, you could show us and we can um, kind of go over and see, you know, tell us about one. This one is, is a one where I've incorporated into another painting, but it gives you an idea. Um, this is Archangel Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, you know, because when I do an angel portrait for somebody, I don't, obviously I'm not keeping it. You know, they, they receive that drawing. So it's all the ones that I have are um, ones I've done it for different archangels and archaea angels that have come to me and asked me to draw them. Now, if you don't mind showing us again, is that what they look like to you when you see them? Or do you mm-hmm. add that's like how, a- yeah, that's how I've always seen them. That's yeah, right. they do not. I've never seen faces. Um, sometimes, you know, they have different, like, you know, Gabriel has the shield. Sometimes, you know, different angels will have um, objects with them. I have on occasion had one where it's like they were trying to hand you something. And they, yeah, um, there that has happened a few times over the years. Hmm. But, yeah, their wings are always you know, very, very different from each other. Usually the wings are where the most of the color is. Um, yes. Uh-huh. And um, I've noticed in the last couple of years, um, one of the things that I started seeing is what a lot of people refer to as light language. And it usually starts at the throat and goes down the center of the body. Um, and what I've been told is that, that is a message from the angels to the higher self. So it's not something we need to consciously understand what it means, but our, you know, our super conscious, I guess, what you, um, is what does understand it on some level. 
Has there been one angel that has stood out from all the others that you were just like, wow, this one's amazing looking. I've never seen anything like it. Um, yeah, no, not really. I, I think if I know if for me, the one that I've noticed that most people really enjoy seeing is though is um, Gaia. And yes, they, but you know, to my understanding and what they have shown me, the, the being that embodies um, the planet that we live in right now is an archangel. So you're saying that because I thought Gaia was like meant to be the earth as a conscious kind of being, but mm-hmm. there's, there's an angel that represents that or an angel that accompanies um, he, that. Uh, yeah, there it's actually an angel that is the soul of this planet. Oh. And that is true of all planets. It's like, you know, there's, you, we've all heard the stories about different, you know, different angels, different groups of angels that do different things. That's just, she, um, Gaia is from the particular group of angels that embodies planets. Now you mentioned the name of that angel that you just showed me, right? That was, uh, um, yeah, that was Archangel Gabriel. Now, isn't that like a famous angel from the Bible? Yes, it is. It is actually the angel that um, many people believe, and actually the Bible says, um, gave Mary the message that she was going to have, you know, give birth to the Christ. Hmm. So can that one angel be like an angel for many, many people? Can uh, Yes, because um, angels, because they've not taken the physical form and the, where they exist, there is no such thing as time. Hmm. So the name... The archangels can literally be with more than one person at the same time. Mm. But um, archangels, because they're not personal angels, they will come and go as they're needed or as they're called upon. Oh, okay. So that's not one of their personal ones then. No. And I know one of the things that I've noticed, you know, when I've done the archangels, you know, if you look at this, you can notice like the, the bottom of the, you know, the arm, the hand, it actually closed mm-hmm. as, as well as, you know, the bottom where the feet would be. Mm-hmm. I've noticed with the personal ones that I do, those are not closed. The energy, you know, is open. Do you get the names of personal angels? And if so, are they like names that you've never heard before? Yeah, they are. Cause they're, um, their real names would take us about 15 to 20 minutes to pronounce. And they're actually, you know, somewhere between tonal and musical, hmm, kind of like chanting. Um, so because that we need something shorter than that, they spell for me a piece of it. And the pronunciation is what feels right to the person. And there's no really right or wrong. And if they want to abbreviate it further, that's okay, too. Hmm. Can you yeah, get- I think there's only been one occasion where somebody's angel was named Bob. Wow. <laughs> there's a whole story behind that if you want to hear that. Sure. Um, it's I was actually at a metaphysical fair um, doing angel portraits, and I ended up, oddly enough, yeah, I did did a portrait for you know somebody. She was about you know similar age to me. Yeah, and then her husband came in, and then both of her kids came in, and then eventually even her dad. So I did portraits for the whole family. And the dad was the last, you know, the very last one. And it's like, and it was, this particular angel was just like telling jokes the whole time. No, you know, there wasn't any personal messages, just kept telling jokes. And then it came up that, you know, 
do you, you know, are you always struggling to find your glasses, find your keys? You know, the, you know, little things that we all misplace and like, you mean, yeah, it happens all the time. Mm. And he really didn't say anything more about it. But then later in the day, I guess he ended up sitting next to um, a woman who I had drew her angel portrait like two or three people later in the day. He had been told her the whole story and said and told her, yeah, when we when the keys go missing and I'm like and I can't find my glasses, we always blame Bob. Mm-hmm. So then it, yeah, but it took this whole it took the whole day for me for all this to come back to me and drawing like 10 angel portraits in one day, which is not something I would like to do, but wow. Can you give us some examples of names that you've heard that we, you know, that something like we've never heard before? And I, to be honest, one of the rules is I am never to pronounce that person's angel's name for them. Hmm. They're very specific about that. And they're, you know, they said the closest word that we have in the English word is magic. So there's some sort of like almost magic that happens when they pronounce that name for the first time and they don't need to pronounce it for me either. But um, it it has to do with the connection that takes place between them and their angels. Hmm, That's interesting. So I guess you just spell it out for them and let them figure it Um, out. Yeah. I I write it on the corner um, of the, of the drawing. Can you tell if angels are masculine or feminine or they don't have any gender? They don't actually have a gender. They're androgynous. Um, but sometimes you look at one and it feels just energy-wise, it would feel more feminine. That, But that would mean that one of your a- other angels is holding that masculine energy to always keep that in balance. Hmm. All right. Yeah, and some people have talked about, you know, how they might look at their angel portrait one day and it feels feminine. And, you know, a few days later it feels masculine to them. Hmm. So that, that energetically can shift. Hmm. What do you think inspires you about drawing angels for people? It's a good question. I just, yeah, I know when I'm doing it, I just feel so joyful and I'm so, so, I'm just so feel so happy when I'm doing it. Yeah, and it, it just really feels good to help people make that connection on their own. So do you normally have to do this in person? Um, I did for a very long time. Um, it took me a while, but I eventually learned how to do it um, from photograph. Hmm. And then now that um, with what's happened on our planet in the last year, starting last March, I did start doing this via Zoom like you know, like we're chatting today. Mm-hmm. When you're doing it from a photograph, you can actually kind of somehow tap in and, or I don't know mm-hmm. if tap in is the right word, but you can somehow communicate with their with their angel. Mm-hmm. I can still connect as long as I can see the eyes. Um, and I do always, when I do it from photo, I do ask for the most recent photo possible. Why is it's that? Like that? That's like a, you know, it's, that's a moment in time that has been, you know, like frozen. So I, it's like I, I see what they needed and what angel they needed at that moment. But if that photo's two, three, four years ago, 
you know, they really, really need to interact with one of their other angels more at this present moment. What is the benefit of having your, of knowing who your angels are and having a portrait? Probably more important to know who your angels are, but I would assume that portrait's good too. Um, yeah, because the portrait works almost kind of like an energetic doorway or an energetic portal that just cannot be clo- can never be closed again as long as that person is still in physical form. Um, but yeah, the benefit would be that you know so many of us are just curious, but they do they are really here to assist us. Um, their main goals because we sat down them. Um, in our in-between lives, at least this is what they have taught me and the way I understand it. We sat down with them in between lives and plan out like what lessons we want to learn, what things we want to experience in this lifetime. And they're the ones that help us keep on track with that. Mm. You know, for example, if one of the main things you want to learn in this lifetime is forgiveness, they're going to give you situation after situation after situation where you have to forgive someone. And that someone may be yourself, but you need to forgive some, you know, someone until you really understand how that inter- impacts your life mm-hmm. and how that can just really energetically open things up for you mm-hmm. All right. when you're willing to forgive. All right. Well, I'm going to switch gears on you. I noticed all your paintings behind you. Yes. Do you, are those up for sale as well? Or is that just a hobby for you that you just like to paint other things? It started out as a hobby, um, but um, it has kind of grown so that my walls are just a little full, as you can tell, and these aren't even all of it. So yes, they are for sale. Um, Yeah. And a lot of it is inspired by um, things I see in meditation which I'm able to meditate a lot more often now that my kids are all grown. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, there is um, one particular place I seem to go quite frequently in meditation and there's paintings is it's like on the wall, on the walls, but, and, but they're not on canvas. They're actually like right on the rock. And it's like, they are, you can tell by looking at them that they've got, there's times where they've gotten really dirty and there's times people have come in with different types of paint and tried to touch them up and clean them. And, and they, they seem to be centuries old and they're from all different faiths. Um, there are also a lot of times sacred geometry symbols and different things. So that's the inspiration for a lot of the things that I paint. If somebody would like to get a hold of you and have you paint their angels, how would they do that? Um, they could visit my website, which is um, SusanWalterArt.com. Um, and they can even uh, you know, schedule their appointments um, right there on my website. And they will find a lot of the other artwork that is available um, on my website as well. Hmm. As well as you know some other projects I've taken on over time. <laughs> Would you consider yourself a public person? And if so, if somebody from this podcast happens to watch it and just want to reach out to you and talk to you, do you do stuff like that? Um, on occasion, yes, I do. Um, not everybody, because I don't, I don't have the time to talk with everybody, but I would, I definitely do enjoy chatting with people. I really do. How Making they, those connections. How would they reach out to you? 
Um, they can start out with an email. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram too. Um, so they can reach out to me in any one of those forms. Oh, great. Do you put a lot of your artwork up on Instagram? Um, yeah, I do. And I even do in progress pictures, not just completed pictures. And, uh, this last year, actually just this, the last probably about six weeks, I've done a couple of trips. Um, and I even posted quite a few pictures um, from those trips, too, but in other things that I'm doing. I went to uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico um, recently, and actually I have a friend who has a turquoise mine there. So there's a couple of pictures of going in and you know mining in the, at the turquoise mine. Um, I went to Sedona for five days, and then actually just this last weekend, I was in the Black Hills in South Dakota. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Now, you mentioned projects. Do you have any other projects that you're working on right now that you want us to know about? One of the other projects that I have done is um, I've created some mandalas based on what's called the South Beijing frequencies. For if you don't know what those are, it's all based on Pythagorean math. And it's all three-digit numbers that all, um, when you add up the, the full number, they always add up to either three, six, or nine. Um, and it was uh, Nikolai Tesla that had said, if we understood three, six, and nine, we'd understand the universe. Yeah. So I've created mandalas on, because there's nine sets of nine self-agio frequencies. I have created, created 81 mandalas. That was a seven-year project. Well, let me just put it this way. I don't even know what a mandala is. Can you tell us what that is? Okay, um, mandalas are usually either square or circular. And when you like fold them in half, one side is the same as the other. Hmm. They're you know, very symmetrical. Hmm. Oh, okay, and cool. uh, even based on what um, is often called sacred geometry. Hmm. Do you have one yeah. there that you can show us? Um. Just take me one second. Sure. Because um, with those mandalas, one of, I've taken and created um, coloring books with those, as well as meditation decks. So let me just randomly pull out one just for the group. This is one of them. Wow, that's cool. Um, this particular one is frequency 471. This is from um, the set called Cygnus, which um, is the constellation of the swan. But this one's all about change and supporting you through through changes. Hmm. So it's interesting that that's the one I randomly cho chose with all the different changes we're all going through at this time. So did you draw that and paint that? Um, yes, um, I drew it. Um, I actually, the very first set that I did, which is the earthly Sapphageo frequencies, to be honest, I didn't take it too seriously at first and didn't realize how many Sapphageo frequencies there were. Um, those were done with an old antique toy called the Hootenanny. Hmm. It's an old metal toy that is actually the grandfather to the spirograph. Yeah, that's what I was remembering. I remember the spirograph. It's kind of uh -huh. looks like that yeah. type of artwork. So I kind of used that as you know, kind of my as the line drawings for the first set. Um, and I struggled with symmetry quite a bit. 
um, with that. So the rest of them, the line drawings I create in Photoshop on the computer. Um, and then I print it out and I, and I color it in with colored pencils. And a lot of times as I, because I continue to listen to that particular frequency as I'm creating it, um, a lot of times it would change. Mm. So I'd have to go and, you know, and make adjustments then to the line drawing afterwards. All right. I'm going to see if you can break it down for me here. I'm going to go deeper into this. You said the number okay. is 471. So I'm guessing uh -huh, you, that you, particular you, you add that up and that's 12 maybe. Uh -huh, and then, and that, yeah. Yeah. And then that, because, and then one plus two is three. Okay. And then that's from your three, six, nine. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. And they're all, they're all three digit numbers mm -hmm. and there are no zeros. Mm -hmm. There is no is, zero. What's on the backside of that? Um, that's just a, a symbol that um, I've used that, you know, that I saw in meditation all the time when I first started meditating. Hmm. And mm -hmm. it was, it was almost my, more my personal symbol, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you put that on the back of every one of them, that same symbol? Yes, I do. So as you're saying, you can fold that in half and it looks the same. Is that what the mandala mm -hmm. part is? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mandalas are very, um, very ancient meditation tool that has, um, was particularly used in India and Tibet and that part of the world. See, that's great. I learned something today. Yeah, there's something called the Sri Yantra mm -hmm. that was um, used a great deal in that part of the world for mm -hmm. thousands of years. Now, you mentioned something about the frequency of that number. What do you mean by that, and how are you tapping into that frequency? Yeah, those are actually hertz frequencies. So you can use um, different tools. Like I have um, just an app that I found for free on my phone that allows me to listen to those different tones. So that is 471 hertz? Mm-hmm. And then you listen to that tone, and then you, while you're listening, you start drawing? Mm -hmm. yeah, and those different frequencies can help us with different things. Hmm. Um, frequency 528 from the earthly set, for example, can be, um, is considered the frequency of divine love. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually a whole book just written on frequency 528. Um, it is also one that is very helpful with DNA repair. Um, and it is the own. It is the frequency put off by our own sun. Is that the middle C on a piano? It's five twenty-eight. Yeah, it probably. I believe so. But you know, just like you know, four forty is the tone that's commonly used to tune instruments today. Mm -hmm. You can tune an instrument to a four forty A, but still play any particular note on the scale. Mm -hmm. And really, what we should be tuning our instruments to is four thirty-two. Is there anything else that you want to promote that you'd like to talk about? The other, you know, um, there are a couple other things that I do. I right now I am working on another set of mandalas. You know how in the Bible it talks about the 144,000 way showers. Okay. There are a number of us now have a theory that that's also meant to be a frequency that we can use. So I've created a mandala for that frequency of 144, which adds up to nine, and then. Um, yeah, and then working with that, like the next frequency in that set is, you know, one four four, then two five five, three six six. So I'm working on the set of um, the mandalas for those that that nine frequencies, and then I also do do crystal singing bowl meditations, um, 
And of course, they are all self-agio frequency crystal balls. Um, but I have gone into the, actually gone into a sound studio and recorded a couple of those. Um, but to be honest, crystal singing balls, you're really only truly getting the full impact of those in person. Hmm. But they are a wonderful meditation tool. The other day I spoke with somebody on a podcast about the number 144. And I don't remember exactly what we were talking about. And I think she mentioned that with star seeds, but you just mentioned 144,000 within the Bible. Can you tell mm-hmm. me more about that? Um, you know, I don't remember the exact, you know, verse or anything like that, but there is some place where in the Bible where it talks about the 144,000 way shores that will help bring us into, I don't remember the exact word that was used in the Bible, but it's like, you know, like the Native Americans talk about how we go from world to world, you know, um, in our evolution. Um, and I, it is my understanding and, and what the angels have taught me. It's like we're in, in the process of moving from the third dimension and I think a lot of us are going to skip right over the fourth and move right into the fifth. And these frequencies um, are the frequencies that will help us do that. And the, the 144,000 way showers are also here to assist in that transition. Mm, okay. Do you know any other significance of the number 144? No, I don't. Mm. I'm sure there are, but I just don't know them. Mm, okay. I'm still researching and learning and studying just like everybody else. Yeah. All right. Well, before we finish up here, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everybody? Take care of yourself, especially during all this craziness that we're going through and we're experiencing right now, all the changes. Um, self-care is very, very important right now. And one of, the, one of the very important tools to use during that is meditation. And uh, Yeah. And that doesn't mean you need to sit down and in a completely quiet place and, you know, worry about your posture or any of that, that, you know, there are thousands of different types of meditation, you know, walking in nature and taking the earbuds out and actually listening to the birds singing and the wind blowing. That can be a type of meditation. Um, a friend of mine, because she doesn't have a full household for her, it can be running the vacuum cleaner because that's a white noise and everybody leaves her alone because otherwise they know they got to help her with housework. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that gives her a time alone and a space that works for her. So, you know, the guided meditations there, you know, you can find all kinds of them on the internet, you know, use those tools that are available to us. You know, music can be a meditative tool. You know, for some of us, you know, musicians, you know, playing music that, um, that helps bring the body into balance can be a wonderful meditation tool. Thank you for that message. And Susan, thank you for being my guest. I wish you the best. Thank you very much. And um, I just enjoy chatting with people about the things we do. And I, you know, I learn as much from you guys and the, by, from the questions that you ask me mm-hmm. as you learn from me. So thank you. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, have a great evening. I will. You as well. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. 
I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.